You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. We've been undertaking a series on the subject of worship in the last six or seven weeks for this spring season, and uh, I've asked Alex to be a part of that, um, who's uh, yeah another elder in the house, but also a member of our worship team. And we thought it would be fitting to, uh, as we close off this series on worship, to hear from some of the people, uh, to hear a voice from our worship team. So hope your hearts are open. And bro, thank you. You've got it, mate. Go for thank it. you very much. Bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, family. I trust. I trust you are all well. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the importance of praise and worship and what that generally looks like in this house of worship. As Chad showed us from the Bible last week, praise and worship looks like something and it sounds like something. And although God has his ways, it does vary from person to person. And that's okay. Chances are that this week's events didn't line up with this week's lyrics. But take heart, my friends. The grace of God towards his sons and his daughters is both bountiful and beautiful. The finished work of Jesus at the cross is the final word on all things, both on earth and in heaven. Amen. Chad also showed that praise and worship is both personal and corporate. I'm using Chad's notes because I love him and I'm not smart enough to get my own. <laughs> so I'll say that again. Yeah. Chad also showed that praise and worship is both personal and corporate. And uh, in relation to corporate praise and worship, if you happen to be here every Sunday for the last 12 months, and on every Sunday that you were here, you participated in worship, for 20 minutes, that adds up to a little over 17 hours. Wow. 17 hours a year singing to the God of all the universe, the very God that put breath in our bodies. Shocked you are? Some would say, oh my God, that is the most time I've devoted this year to one single activity. <laughs> well done, bro. And others would say, oh my God, Lord, forgive my tardiness. 17 hours, you're worth much more than that. For I know that I've spent 90 hours this year on the dunny. <laughs> and that's a fact. That is also a fact. Take that as you will. For me personally... I believe that my praise and worship to my eternal God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit will be the single most important thing I do while I'm alive on this earth. Now that's my personal conviction. Others are free to agree or disagree. Does anyone know the difference between a praise, chorus and a hymn? A man accustomed to a mainline church went to to a seeker's service one Sunday. He came home and his wife asked him how it was. Well, he said, I was, it was interesting. They did something different. They sang praise choruses instead of hymns. Praise choruses, said his wife. What are those? Oh, they're okay, I guess. They're sort of like hymns, only different, said the man. 
What's the difference, asked his wife. Well, it's sort of like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that would be a hymn. But if on the other hand I was to say to you, Martha, 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 oh Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, the cows, the cows are in the corn, are in the corn, are in the corn, the corn, the corn, the corn. And if, I, and if you were to repeat that phrase five or six times, that is a praise chorus. Hallelujah. I think we did that this morning. I tell that joke as a humorous antidote to the fact that praise and worship can be different for different people and for different people groups. But again, as Chad showed, praise and worship does look like something and it does sound like something. And praise and worship is eternal. Boom! 5D of worship right there. I listened to what you said last week. So my question is, what does praise and worship look, what does your praise and worship look and sound like? It's a good question. What does your personal praise and worship look and sound like? Uh, John 4.23 says, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Father God seeks true worshippers that will worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth are God's ways. God seeks worshippers. That's you and me, friends. We are worshippers by nature and we are called to worship in spirit. That is, don't think that you have to be confined to a set place or a set time or a set of religious rituals. So anywhere, anytime, and as best as we know how, engaging our whole heart with God in passion and commitment, that is worshipping in spirit. And in truth, again, that is being properly informed. We do not worship empty philosophies. We do not worship empty philosophies that come from worldly thinking, but we focus on the person of Jesus his message of the gospel, him crucified and then raised from the dead for our salvation, his truth, his way and his life. Amen. So I want to read you one more scripture out of Mark and this one should be on the screen. It's Mark 14 verses 3 to 9 and um, it's talking about the alabaster flask and Jesus being anointed. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were, them, there were some there who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me, for you will always have the poor with you and whatever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for, uh, beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, um, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, she, uh, what she has done will be told in memory of her. 
Firstly, I love the fact that Jesus was reclining at the table because that is one of my favourite things to do. Especially when there's food on it. So before this woman even knew it, Jesus was seeking her. Before she even knew it, Jesus was seeking her. And it's the same for us today. Before we even know it, Christ is seeking us. And she responded with sacrificial worship. In spirit, because she didn't wait till there was a temple available. And she invested so extravagantly that others became indignant. She worshipped in truth because Jesus said she was anointing his body for burial, which is the way of the cross. Notice that not everybody was happy with her extravagant act of worship. Some were indignant. She could have sold that perfume for a spitload of money and helped the poor. And that's another thing that you'll see. Um, There will always be somebody expecting you to sacrifice on their behalf. There will always be somebody expecting you to sacrifice on their behalf. Do as I say and not as I do. But what does God say? Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Romans 8.31 If God is for us, who can be against us? Back in the day I didn't really know Honestly, I did not really know how to praise and worship. I think as it happened, I eventually came to love and understand praise and worship by watching others who were already in love. Good point. If you honestly don't know how to praise and worship, watch somebody who was already in love with praise, with that total sold-out conviction of praise and worship to Almighty God. Uh, I used to watch both local worshippers and the big name internationals like uh, there was Tommy Tenney and Jimmy Mutabi and Elvis. Elvis was great. I learned a lot from Elvis. <laughs> also, back in the day, I was co-leading a youth group and I was asking God, what could I do to be a great youth leader? Holy Spirit said, release my kids to be worshippers. I didn't even really know what that meant. But I remember him saying, release my kids to be worshippers. Instruct and allow my young people to touch the Father's heart in passionate worship. He said that if you allow that to come to pass, no matter what happens or where they may roam, their innermost being will always have that heart connection with the Father. And as they grow, that heart connection will keep them in the way Or at some point, if they have wandered, just like a prodigal son or daughter, that heart connection will bring them, lead them back to the way. So worship um, in that era for me was really important for, for the young people that I was leading because I was so convinced after a short period of time that if they learned to touch God's heart in worship, if they practiced that, there was nothing could separate them from the love of God. Um, how do I worship? My praise and worship is so all about, all about and all to Jesus. I am completely convicted that he is who he said he is and he's done what the book said he's done. He is God Almighty, my Saviour, my Lord and yet he is my brother. He is the centre of my focus. 
Christ draws me to himself in worship and through him and only him a new and vital relationship is made possible with my heavenly father. I'm humbled and I'm thankful. And this is my starting point. I acknowledge God for who he is and I'm humbled and I'm thankful. That's where I start and that's where I finish. So this is, I say this to encourage if you don't know how to worship, start by being thankful. Just acknowledging God for his majesty and his might and his power and who he is. Worship is more than bringing God a song. As best as I know how, I bring my first fruits, as it were, my very best. God is great and greatly to be praised. But here's the paradox of worship, my friends. God's very nature is, that, is such that we praise and worship God Almighty, alive and eternal, but the benefits we receive can never be calculated. So we approach the throne of grace and we praise God who is worthy, he is eternal, he is worthy of our worship. That's how we start. But the benefit that we receive in doing that cannot be calculated. That is God's nature. He receives it all for himself. But because he's our dad, it just comes straight back at us in ways that we cannot fathom. His treasure, his promises, his treasure flood my soul. It seems like my faith is supercharged. My head clears, my eyes shine, my heart is lifted and my mind is released and realigned with God's plans and purposes now and into the future. And then once again, nothing is impossible with God. And that's, that's, I feel that, I sense that in my spirit. It's like nothing is impossible with my God because I see him for who he really is. And then he in turn uh, speaks truth over me, he speaks love over me, he speaks uh, compassion over me and he says, you are my son, I, you are well loved. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God has new experiences? Until recently, I didn't think so. God has no beginning and no end. He's completely self-sufficient and knows everything that will ever happen. But I want to say the triune Godhead and all his angels get very excited when his bride gets together in corporate and unified worship. God seeks worshippers. I want to share briefly a, uh, a vision I had recently here. It was during worship. I was in the sound box. Ellie was leading the team who were leading the, the peoples. And Jake got up and said, um, sing a new song to the Lord. I participated and all across the congregation I heard new songs. Well, yeah, that's great. That lasted about a minute or so and then Ellie started to lead the next worship song. As that progressed, I felt the weighty, tangible presence of God settle in. And I was in the sound box, supposed to be looking at what I was doing, but I sometimes get caught like that. I was lost. The weighty, tangible presence of God settled in. I saw the triune Godhead all at the same time and I can't explain it. I just knew that's what I saw plus a multitude of angels clapping and cheering, very excited. 
and I was suddenly alerted to the fact that someone who had never worshipped before had just opened their mouth in thanksgiving to God in worship, laying out their first fruits to God as best as they knew how. That was a brand new sound to God, a sound that he had never heard before and he was all over it. The uniqueness and the individuality of that person, that new creation in Christ, voluntarily bringing everything to God in worship. This was a sound that was new and beautiful to God. And then you combine that with the worship of the rest of the bride. God says it's absolutely glorious and I'll move heaven and earth to be a part of that. As we worship together with conviction and passion and unity through the power of the Holy Spirit, he draws others into the freedom and the power that is praising God. He is great and greatly to be praised. We've got a couple of minutes left, so what I'll do is also share about half a dozen times a year I have a significant thing in worship that changes me personally. So I've got a whole list of things, but I want to share another one. Um, I was worshipping here Sunday morning and uh, we were singing great, I think it was the song was called Great Are You Lord. And, uh, and at some point we were singing uh, Your Breath Is In My Lungs. And while we were singing that, I saw these oxygen masks fall from heaven and they had cords attached. And the Holy Spirit said to me, take a mask, put it on and marvel and rejoice in the purity and wholeness of your dad in heaven. I did that and in that moment I saw and experienced the majesty, the splendour, the might, the power and I saw the glory of an empty cross. In that instant, God alive his in that instant God's aliveness and his unconditional love love flooded flooded my soul. His breath is everywhere for all people. And that's his breath is everywhere for all people. But in that moment of worship, his breath was very much for me and it has had lasting effects on what I do, what I say how I approach worship, how I uh, talk to other people. So that's an encouragement to say, yes, we stand, you're worshipping the God of all the universe, but the benefit that comes back to you as an individual cannot be measured. And that is just one instance of me personally receiving something from heaven that I wasn't necessarily looking for, you know, you always are expected, but God is so glorious and, and so graceful in that area. So I encourage, I encourage you to participate in worship, corporate and personal. And summing up, when we worship Jesus, we declare his kingdom and announce his presence. When we worship, we come by grace through faith bringing the voice of our hearts before heaven. 
When we worship, we dispel the darkness and take authority over principalities and powers. When we worship, we exalt Christ and his dominion over every situation and circumstance. When we worship, thanksgiving is our entry point. Joy is our strength and breakthrough is in our inheritance. These aren't empty words. This is truth. This is God's truth. When we worship, kingdom dominion is established. When we worship, God's kingdom is established. Um, when we worship, the benefits back to us as an individual cannot be calculated. The one true and living God is who we ascribe our greatness to, or is who we ascribe greatness to. Jesus, you are great and true. That's my 15 minutes, and I'm going to invite <laughs> Daniel Todd. Have a Hand over to Chad. Why don't you thank Alex again? You know, we have a number of ministry teams, people who serve week after week in our church life. And I mean, just the other day we asked all the um, super kids volunteers and kids educators to stand and pray for them. Uh, but you know, it's quite possible one of the, the hardest working teams that um, not only just rock up here on a Sunday, half an hour before the service, but are always the first ones to arrive, uh, who meet together during the week for two hours, almost every week, uh, to get together to practice, are our musicians. And uh, we should never forget that our musicians uh, begin at the back of the room before anything happens at the front of the room. And um, so a big thank you, Alex. Uh, you won't see him on the stage with an instrument in his hand or singing into a microphone. And, and we do that because we love you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he is at the back of the room in a box. And uh, those, those guys up there, you know, we know as, uh, as a music team, there is the, 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 the most important instrument is that box up there in the back. And what goes on that screen is so powerful that it can distract 150, 200 people like that. And so what is seen on, on, on that big screen and what happens, the sound that comes through those speakers is thanks to those guys in the box. So for those who serve from the back to the front, we want to thank our worship and praise team. Thank you. Thank you. Worship is not just singing. Worship is not just music. But uh, it's a key part. And uh, so again, when I, I chatted with... Uh, Matt and Ellie aren't here today, but they lead our worship team from front to back. Uh, and I said, look, is there someone on your worship team that you think would uh, be great to share something of the heart of worship as a part of this series that maybe we've not seen uh, take a mic and share before? And both of them said, I think Dan Todd would be a, have something great to share as part of that series. And that sat really well with me. And I just thought, you know, we've got two people, one in the box at the back, one in the box at the front. And... Uh, Two box, that's Lace right. Sense. So why don't you, two box heads. So why don't you put your hands together for Dan Todd. Good morning. Yeah, I want, I want you to come up here. I'm just going to publicly praise this man. No, I'm going to honour you. This man right here, honestly, is one of my heroes. <laughs> Has been for a long time. Thank you. You really are. Um... And I've said it before to you, but I'll say it publicly here, that I've never 
heard you give a, a dud word. Like everything you, you speak when it's matters of the heart, it just speaks absolute wisdom, but it's wisdom with love as well. I've never... It, you just can't help but feel loved and drawn to this man. So I just want to thank you because... Um, seriously though, without this man, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, thanks mate. Alright. Bit of a bromance. So today, I'm talking about Alex. No, no, no. no. I probably could though, I, had, I do have a few stories. <laughs> oh, actually, before I start, okay, I'm really nervous. And it's not because of this, I have a confession to make. Okay, Chad, this is, this is a bit of a serious one, so, yeah, serious hats on. Um, so, I, I run the gym some mornings quite early, and I'll come in here to get my breakfast ready before I head off to my other job, and I have been, I have been, no, I clean up my mess, but I have been stealing spoons from the church. We have a whole, and there's a couple of mugs and a knife, and I think a fork. Um, I will return them. They're, they're currently on eBay, but I'm not getting much <laughs> from them, so I might as well just return them. So, anyway, oh, I feel so much better. That's off my chest. Oh, no lightning. Oh, that's good. Okay, can I walk around with my notes? Is that okay? I want to walk. Okay, so today I'm talking about David. He is. I don't know, you could probably, tongue-in-cheek, you could probably call him the godfather of worship. Um, he's another one of my heroes, okay? I love, I love his honesty, I love his passion, I love his integrity. I love how he honoured people. I love how, especially how he honoured Saul, even though Saul didn't deserve that honour. He, he not only honoured the person, but he honoured his position as well, because he recognised what was on him, which was given to him by God. I love how he was truly himself when it came to his relationship with God, like he didn't hold anything back. He was, he was completely raw and real. And besides Jesus, if you read about it in the Bible, it's the, it's the closest thing to a, the re most real and raw relationship that you can read of in the Bible, besides Jesus. Um, it's beautifully vulnerable and I liken it to the, the safety and the openness that a child feels when they're interacting with their dad or with their mum. So anyway, any time I hear of David in a story, I'm immediately drawn to it, much like the one that we'll talk about today. So we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16. So you can flick to there if you want. Lacey made me some awesome little bookmarks. It's a cat. With love heart eyes, that's awesome. Anyway, so I'll just give you a little backstory really quickly, okay? So, God has appointed Saul as king of Israel. He is the first official king over the nation of Israel. And for all intents and purposes, he started off well. He's, you know, he's done, he's done a pretty good job, but somewhere along the line, I don't know, it, it seems like he's forgotten who God is, he's forgotten who he is in God and he's turned his back on him. There's a few significant moments where he's been quite naughty and um, 
it just comes down to it. God just sees him and just goes, you know what? I've had enough of this. You're not doing what I wanted you to do, so you're out. You're not the king anymore. All right. Really quick backstory. So Samuel tells, oh, sorry, God tells Samuel to go and anoint another one as king. And he says to him, go to, go to the house of Jesse. He's got some sons. You will know which one it is when you see him, anoint him. So Jesse presents his sons. No. Next one, no. Next one comes along. Are you kidding? Like he's got a crayon stuck out. Is he? No, definitely not. So Jesse, um, sorry, Samuel is like, is this it? Is this all of them? And Jesse says, no, there's one more out in the field. And he's like, oh, well, we'll wait until he comes along. So they wait. And as he comes in, God just drops it on Samuel's heart. This is the one, anoint him. So I'll just read it really quickly for you. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. So let's just stop there. Dark and handsome. This, this, this verse really caught me the other day. Like I was reading this a few weeks ago. Dark and handsome you, you get because when you're talking about the hero of the story, you want them to sound perhaps better than they might look. I mean, we don't know what David looked like. He might have had half his hair missing and had warts over his chin and kind of... Don't know. But he was, I, believe it, I believe what the Bible says. If he was dark and handsome, then he was dark and handsome. But beautiful eyes, why would they put that? I was like, that is such a bizarre thing to put. Like, what, did a woman write this book? Um, <laughs> Seems a bit strange for a man to write this. But, so I was, I was talking to God about it. I was like, God, oh, why? Dark and handsome, yeah, I get, but why beautiful eyes? What is that all about? And he just reminded me of um, David having a heart after God's own heart. And, and it just got me thinking, if our heart, sorry, if our eyes reflect what our heart is like, could it be that when people looked at David, they were actually seeing God. And that's why his eyes were so beautiful. So, something to think about, talk about over lunch, mate. Oh, bam! I've got to get one in there. Out of all my elastic jeans today for Geordie. So, (laughs) what do your eyes look like to other people? Do you have beautiful eyes? Mm. Anyway, let's move on. So, verse 12. So, Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So, as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord, this is the key part of this verse, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now read on into verse 14. Now, the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. I'm just going to leave it at that. 
All right, have a good Sunday. <laughs> this is the one, anoint him. So, the Spirit of God has left Saul and it now rests on David. This isn't, I just want to clarify this, this isn't God abandoning Saul when it says the Spirit of the Lord departed Saul. What I believe this is referring to is the mantle or the anointing. So basically, it's God, the mantle or the anointing is when God gives you the ability to do something that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Something Saul clearly forgot. When we are called to a particular task or position, God um, will anoint us with his mantle, which means that we carry his authority in that particular area and we go with his resources. Um, so it might be for a task, it might be like a particular a job for the day. Like you think of Samson, the, the Spirit of the Lord would come on him and when he did, he bench-pressed the Empire State Building like for 60 reps, okay? So he, he was required to do a particular task, a short-term thing, but it can also mean a longer-term thing like the office of um, being king over in Israel. So it's a longer-term prospect, okay? So the mantle of king of Israel is no longer with Saul and it now rests on David, like it says in 16 verse 14. But it goes on to say that God replaced his spirit with an evil spirit. What does this mean? So I'm not actually going to spend too much time on this because it's not the main thing today, but I do need to address it. So there's a few uh, beliefs or interpretations around these passages of Scripture. One is that it was the author's understanding of God at the time. This is pre-cross. This is before we had the revelation of the Holy Spirit. This is before we had the torn veil where we could walk in and have direct access to God. Okay. The second one is that it wasn't actually an evil spirit, but rather it was a tormenting spirit. Um, this, I guess, our, is it our current version? Well, one of, one of our versions of the Bible was written in oldie English, like you know, when King Arthur was around or something like that. And, and they seem to have a, a bit of a play on words. They were really romantic with their words. Um, in Jeremiah 24, verse 3, it describes figs being evil. So you can't have, I'm pretty sure you can't have demonically possessed figs. <laughs> Rocket, absolutely. <laughs> Rocket is the plant of the devil. It's the only thing God allowed the devil to grow in the Garden of Eden. I still don't, just can't get my head around it. Coriander, fine. Rocket, ba-ba-ba. Number three, it could have been that the only thing tying Saul to God was the anointing. He didn't have that revelation of who God was. He didn't have that relationship. So that once that anointing was lifted, that opened Saul up to demonic oppression. Okay? So, glad we cleared that up. Whether or God sent it or not, it was there and it was harassing Saul. Okay? Page number two. I've got like 16 pages. No, not really. God, I've, I've been getting into chess lately. So hard. I suck at it. God is the ultimate chess master. He is always in control. And he will use situations to reveal his truth on multiple levels. He's not just a, 
He's not one day. He's not just um, a single-purpose guy. This is what I'm doing this for. Oh, that just happened. Oh, I'm confused. He knows what he's doing at every, every turn. Okay? Like I said, he will use situations to reveal his truth on multiple levels and to reveal his glory and bring revelation. Psalm 111. Where's my bookmark? Here's another cat. Psalm 111, verse 3 and 4. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. There's another one, thanks to David. Okay, at the end of the day, God still wanted Saul's heart. He would still pursue for that relationship, whether he was king or whether he was out on the street. No matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we turn away, God will always pursue us. He is about relationship and he will do what it takes to redeem us. He did what it takes, what it took, ultimately. All right, let's read on from verse 15, chapter 16, verse 15. Some of Saul's servants said to him, the tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, said Saul. I'm pretty sure he said like that. All right. Done. What a deal. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man and the Lord is with him. There it is again, fine-looking young man. Could it be that they're looking at his eyes again? Those dreamy, godlike eyes? This is the first time, really, that we hear of David. He clearly had a reputation, as some of Saul's servants knew of him already. And again, we see God, the chess master, setting people in Saul's life and also setting David up to help direct Saul to God. Now, as this is the first we hear of David, and it's a significant enough story that it's mentioned in the Bible, is it possible that this was the first time he had encountered anything like the demonic realm? It could be. Like I said, God is multi-purpose. It could be that this is his. It could be that it was his first taste of this. He was getting a a lesson in deliverance, so so to speak. I've just got a really quick story for you. I'll try and make it quick. This is 100% not made up. This happened to me, and it's not exaggerated. This happened to me when I was 17, 18, maybe something like that. I was still living at home, and I woke up one night... And I was on my bed, obviously, but I was pressed into my bed, physically pressed into my bed. Like, I'd, I reckon if you'd looked at the mattress, you would have just seen a flat level mattress. Where's Dan gone? I'm in here somewhere. I was physically pressed into my mattress. I couldn't move. I remember I was like this. 
And I could not move. For the life of me, I could not move. And all I can think of, all I can describe it as was black chaos in my head. Like, it's complete black chaos. I couldn't think straight. If you'd asked me what my name was, I would have been like, um, ladder. You know, I just, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And I just, I just had the mind to go, what's going on? That's all I could think. That's all I could think. What is going on? I don't know what to do. And you know when you watch, um, when you watch like a cartoon or a, like a, a silly kind of program and the, the main character's like thinking about saying, hmm, what should I do? And then you see like a little bubble appear and it's got some dude's head in it and they're giving him instructions. Oh, do this, do that. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. This is what happened to me. So I remember it distinctly coming up from the right-hand side up and over. I'm watching it with my eyes and... I was listening to a lot of DC talk at the time. So this is tell you how long ago it is. Back in the 70s. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I can't remember which one it was. But I remember him saying, make the, make the signs JC with your fingers. And I realised at that point I could move my fingers. So I did. I just did this. All, I was like this. And all I could do was just go... Like that, and I just made the letters JC. And that second, this thing lifted so fast, I practically bounced out of bed. Like it, it was gone, just from that. Just from that, it was gone, and my mind was instantly cleared. And as I, as I came to, I just started praying frantically, as you would, I guess. And I just felt the peace of God return. Um, That's a form of worship. Just a simple little act. It's just acknowledging. It's amazing that. Just that. Sent demons packing. <laughs> I love it. I love it when you, uh, when you act in accordance to God's will, how, how powerfully he moves. Okay, moving on. Like I said earlier, God will use situations to reveal truth on multiple levels. In this case, it was by showing Saul how much he needed God and how much or how powerfully God could rescue him. So that's why I told you this story, because God rescued me that night quite powerfully. For David, this would further strengthen his personal foundation in worshipping God, which would in turn establish his kingship over Israel. Not by money, it wasn't popularity, social influence, it wasn't military power. He did have the means to do that. He was the, the, um, the king's... Was he captain of the bodyguard? So he had, he had the power that he needed to take that throne by force. But he decided to honour Saul. He acted accordingly and he set himself up in worship. So, David worshipped and the spirit left. It shows... Like I was just talking about, it shows how powerful worship is. Simple little act. But it's a truly beautiful moment when all you can do is focus on God. And he shows up, and then all of a sudden the devil doesn't. Thank you, God. The sad part is that Saul didn't get it, even after all they'd been through. Verse 23 goes on to say that when the Spirit returned, David would come in, he would worship it says he'd play songs, but we know it's worship. Like you, can, you can play songs or you can worship. It's got to be purposeful. 
David would worship, the spirit would go, Saul would feel better. He still didn't get it. Just imagine, this is just a side note, imagine if Saul has submitted to David's leadership and supported him in role as a king. There's something else to talk about over lunch. We probably will talk about that. <laughs> anyway, what's my point? Number one, God wants our hearts above everything else and he'll do what it takes to get it. In this case, it was spiritual oppression, physical depression, whatever you want to call it, Saul was at rock bottom. God could still rescue him. Number two, true freedom comes only through true worship. It's amazing that in order for us to defeat the devil, we just simply worship God. Number three, whatever you set out to do, set its foundation in worship before anything else and see how God establishes what you're going for. Matthew 6, verse 33, above all else, seek me first and all these things will be added to you. So how does this apply to me? How does this apply to you? Is God trying to get your attention? I'm sure he is. If you're going through something, find God in it. He's there reaching out to you. He wants to rescue you. God loves being the hero. He loves coming through. He loves being dramatic. He loves drama. He loves coming through in a big way and showing you, this is how big I love you. Okay, true freedom comes through true worship. When you worship God, are you giving him your best? Or is your mind elsewhere? Or do you believe what you're singing? When we sing these songs, are you just singing these songs? Or are you singing these songs? Do you sing them from here? Okay. 2 Kings chapter 13, Elisha's last prophecy. I'm going to be really quick. Elisha's last prophecy. Jehoahash... No, Jehoash. Jehoash? Josh. Let's just call him Josh. Joshi, he's king of Israel. And the Aramaeans are threatening to wipe them out. Jehoash goes to Elisha, who's basically on his deathbed. And he starts crying, Oh, my, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Elisha says to him, Grab a bow and some arrows. So he does. Then he says to him, Take a bow and shoot it out of the eastern windows. Very specific. I guess they must have been approaching from that side. So Jehoash releases the arrow. And as he does, Elisha declares, this is the arrow of the victory of the Lord over your enemy. And then he says to him, now take the rest of those arrows and smash them on the ground. So he takes the arrows. One, two, three. Then he stops. And Elisha looks at him and he gets mad and he's like, why did you stop? Why did you stop? If you had hit them five or six times, you would have completely wiped out your enemy. But now you will only defeat them three times. God will only impact that which you willingly give him. So when you worship, are you in it? Is your heart in it? Okay, so if you've got stuff to deal with today, let's worship now. Let's give God, let's give God all of our attention and watch how he comes through. Like Alex said, start by being thankful. Okay, I'm just going to end really quickly with one of my go-to songs. This is from Hillsong. 
and you could almost use this as a prayer. But it's about 60 years old, this song. So it's called, <laughs> it's called You Are Worthy. So it's worth looking this song up, okay? Any crown I've ever worn, I lay it down. Any praise I've ever gained, I give it all to you. For there's nothing in this world that can compare for you alone. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.